Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? I'm really excited to welcome Kim Hillier to the Inside the Eight podcast with me and Colleen McGarity. Uh, Kim is the new head coach at Drexel University and really fired up to talk lacrosse with you guys. How's it going today? It's going really well. First of all, thank you guys for having me on today. Always super pumped to get to talk about my passion and things I love. So really excited to, to chat with you guys and you know, even learn from, from you guys as well. So thank you. Yeah. Welcome Kim. I mean, you have a great resume and newly the head coach at Drexel. And I kind of just wanted you to give our audience just a little background of where you came from, where were you at before, and then obviously embarking on a new journey, taking over Drexel, which is where you're taking over an already very good program. Like a lot of times first year head coach, you're taking over a program that, you know, might not have been as successful but they had such a great year and you're taking over you know a great team absolutely so a little bit of background um born and raised Long Island New York I was from Farmingdale and ended up playing lacrosse in college at Hofstra stayed close to home um that was kind of my decision my parents went through a divorce and you know, those are kind of the cards we were dealt. So, you know, I, I stayed close. Um, I had options to go other places, but that's kind of where my path took me and I had a tremendous experience. And we know how the lacrosse world is so small and full circle. Um, Shelly Clays from JMU was my head coach at Hofstra, who is now at JMU. Um, one of my biggest mentors ever and ton of respect for her. And then um, slightly after my career, like shortly after my career, I was, I played for the USA team for a year. It was one of those tryout one year, made it. Okay, cool. I'm good enough. Um, and then I was like, all right, I'm done. But I, I knew I wanted to coach. Um, so I was a psychology major all throughout college. Um, and I just was surrounded by really passionate coaches with great coaching styles um, and just great overall people that have helped me through the years. And I was, I stayed on board at Hofstra. I was actually a strength coach for the year, for a year. I had like, I was thrown seven different teams, which was crazy. Um, I was finishing up school and I was also volunteering for the women's program. So I did that. Then I was offered a job opportunity at Long Island University in Brooklyn. Um, and I learned a lot you know, in those three years um, in not a winning way, you know, but how to get, get kids to, you know, stay up and, you know, just control what I can control with making them be great people, work hard and try to really develop skill work with just anybody, you know, and it was more of like short goals, short term success for each kid. And uh, right, right then and there, I knew I, I wanted to win. I wanted to win. So at the time, Spalina came and reached out. Um, he was at Delphi at the time, and he, he was, had the opportunity to take over the program at Stony Brook. Got me on the phone. He's like, let's do this, you and me. Like, we go way back. Like, 
we're going to win a national championship. And I'm like, all right, this guy's a nut job, but I love the crap out of him. And I'm like, and I want to win and he's won. So I'm going. So I went with him. Great experience. We ended up going into that situation. We were ranked like 70 or 80th in the country at the time. People asking me what division they were, um, which really made me angry. And then within the first like two months, we were ranked in the top 25 or 20 or something like that. Um, and it just started to build from there. And then in between that process, I ended up getting an offer from Liz Robertshaw at the time, who was at Boston University to come and be her um, right-hand woman at, in Boston University and coach them. And I've never left the island. So I followed my gut and said, you know, Joe, I'm going to be heading to Boston. It's a good opportunity. Um, and I learned a lot about myself. I was there for four years. And then he called me again. <laughs> Kaylin DeFleece at the time was his assistant, one of my really good friends as well. We worked together also. Um, she had left to go coach under Gary Gate at Syracuse. And then I was back on board at Stony Brook. And that's where I was ever since. And then every year I would get calls for head coaching opportunities and I would take the calls and I don't, I've never had to apply and I credit all of that to coach Polina and what he's built and how he's raised me and all that I've learned from him. Um, and now here I am, I'm stepping into a situation where the stage is set, right? Where most coaches, they take over programs and to your point call, you know, they're picking up the pieces, right? Um, fun fact too. I don't know if you guys know this, but so Jill, the previous coach who's now at Villanova with Drexel, her and I took our official visits to Syracuse together. Huh. Same graduate year. So we've always just huh. stayed in touch. Uh, tremendous amount of respect for her. And my goal was, because everybody would always ask, like, when are you going to go off and do your own thing? Like, And I had the perfect setup at Stony Brook. Recruited all the kids with him. And it was just such a mom and pop feel. Um, and for me, it had to be the right opportunity. A lot of people just jump to say they have the title and that wasn't important to me. It was more of, it has to be the right fit. It has to make sense. This situation came up. There's a new ID that jumped in the, in the, in the hoops for, for Drexel with Maisha Kelly. And she texted me and I was like, how did this person get my number? Normally, like they'll reach out to the department then Joe will get reach out to me, Spelina, or my AD, hey, they want to get on with you. They asked for permission. And she had got my phone number from the AD now, I guess, Andrew Marichello. Um, and then the rest is kind of history. But I had no intentions, none, no intentions of leaving. Wow. No, I was on the regional All-American Committee last year. So I followed both Drexel and Rutgers like throughout the season. Um, and I was just so impressed with the coaching styles and you know, I, this, this short, sh like quickly ended up being a dream job. So sorry if that was a little drawn out. No, but perfect. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, I have so many questions from here and I, so do you, Jamie, I'm sure. But my first thing, I want to go back to your time at Stony Brook a little bit, talking about how you guys were ranked in the seventies, people asking what conference or what division you guys are in. Um, what do you think that you and Joe did that change that culture? Like what was the biggest thing that you had to go in and made it turn around so quickly? So, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like everybody was like, oh, what's the, we don't wait, wave the magic wand, right? It's really, it's really all about, and this is something, again, he has taught me and 
it's about the relationships and it's mainly about the people that helps build that foundation, right? So if you get a, a locker room of players and you focus on caring about them, loving them, you know, making them more than just a player and making it more than just about a job and they know that you would go to battle for them and you take the time to truly develop them. You know, and that, and what that looks like is getting in the trenches with them, you know, and as a head coach, like, yes, Belina was out doing individuals, you know, he was taking the time we were out and busting our butts when the cameras weren't on, when nobody knew who we are um, to really take the time to get everybody on board. Um, I think a lot of it's the style of practices, the pace of play um, and finding ways to think different from your average coach. So a lot of it was eye-opening, but you have to be willing to put in the work, right? It's very easy to say, oh yeah, I'm the head coach or I'm this coach. I work at this university. Great. Everybody, there's a lot of those out there. What do you do differently? You know, and that's something where I knew working with Spolina, I was only going to get better in my profession um, in every category. And I surrounded myself with the right people. Greg Michelli was with me. I know, Jamie, you know him very well. He yep. came to, onto our program as a volunteer, and he literally earned his way up. And he's one of my closest friends to date um, and just the level of respect I have for him and the work he's put in, you know. And not, not all three of us has never been this type of person, right? So it's really just been about how you develop the kids and how you treat them, you know? Really cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. so now you're um, now you're at your own program, and I would imagine when I ask you questions about what you're going to do at Drexel, it, it's almost like asking the same question of what did you learn from your days at Stony Brook. So that's kind of uh, kind of cool. But what what while we're on the topic of developing players, what is your philosophy on developing players? Um, you know, both off the field and on the field. I'll start with on the fields, you know, when it comes to X's and O's and everything like that, I think the ability to break down every single skill in the most, to its most basic form, like, and I'm, I'm going all the way back to where, where your hands go on your stick and how to hold it. Um, and then making everything that you implement, whether it's offensively, defensively, you make it into a progression, right? I'm super big on and my staff as well, like just getting to know them and my expectations, you know, everything has a reason behind it. We don't just do things to do them. It's a progression, right? So that when you're going through the drills, you're saying, oh, we're doing this because that's why we did the drill in the beginning, because now it correlates. Um, so, you know, being able to really harp in, and that's, again, this is all stuff we did at Stony Brook. And that's, it's a consistent thing that I hear through interviews of like, oh, are you going to duplicate the same exact, I couldn't duplicate it if I tried, you know, that's just how good he is and, and what he's done with the programs. Um, but I'm also no dummy in the sense of, I know what works and yeah. I know what really doesn't work. Right. And right now I'm in the process. I, I will never stop being a student of the game. I'm not bigger. I'm not better than anyone. I'm, I'm learning and I'm learning more about, the type of players that we have and individually 
what they require is a is different than a Stony Brook player, right? Whereas from the other seat, watching them play and film last year, regional American, as I'm watching them, there's a lot of crossover with the type of kid the Drexel way towards with Stony Brook way. And it reminded me a lot of, and I kept saying this like throughout the year, the Drexel team reminds me a lot of that blue collar mentality, Stony Brook recruit that turned into a player that earn, earn everything type of kid. Um, and that's exactly what I walked into here at Drexel. Um, but it's, it's different. It's still different here, right? So basic drills, is how I harp is what I harp on consistency. Like I'm not going to jump from skill A to skill to the progression, the, the last part of that progression until I know that they are mastering A, then B, then C. So we do a lot of the same drills per practice. Um, there's not a ton of standing, a lot of high repetition things um, where they're moving. They're, it's constant moving. And if you know, if a player needs extra, we're out there doing extra with them on their own, you know, or we're, we're guiding them to how they can be successful. And then once they get to practice, that's the part where they can get those reps in. And they're actually like valued reps, you know, um, off the field. I have an open door policy. You know, I want them to know I care about them no matter what from top to bottom of the roster. I don't care who you are. Um, I care about you. I care about you more than and beyond the sport. And I want what's best for them regardless. So any way that they feel, I will know them well enough that when they walk into a room, if they're having a bad day, I'll know it. And if I don't know it, my captains and my leaders feel comfortable to tell me. Um, and I make sure that every player knows that there's gonna be good days, bad days, and everything in between that, and that I will be by their side going through every, all of that with them, and they'll not, they will not be alone. So it's very family oriented, um, but respectfully, right? Like I want like little things. I want to be called Coach Kim. Coach Kim, Coach KO, Coach Guido. I don't want you to call me Kim. It's just a, to me, it's a respect thing. And yes, maybe I've worked mostly with male coaches and that's kind of more of like a male style thing. I just think there's a level of respect and, you know, yes, when you graduate and, you know, you're done with your playing career, sure. Call me Kim, you know? So um, like little things like that, quality of life. I want them to have quality of life. Sometimes, you know, after a, and this is something that worked at Sony Brook and I'm going to take it. I'm taking it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's the, that's the line. A lot of times after a game, they get, say they play Saturday, they know they're off Sunday. In the last minute, I'll say, you know what, guys? You're also off on Monday. And what that does is, and what we've seen through older systems and experiences is those kids are that much more eager to get to practice by the time Tuesday rolls around and they're all out shooting and doing extra on that second day off. And it also allows them to not stress over their schoolwork, catch up with their families and actually like be able to enjoy life. So like little, those are just small examples. Yeah. Um, to answer your question. Love it. 
Um, I have a question, Jamie, yeah. unless you want one first on um, the on-field development a little bit going back. Um, after I went to Stony Brook practice, I was obviously there when you were there, Kim, and it was super fast paced and a lot of development on skill, but in a live playing type of way, not like I'm going to slow this down and make sure you do it against a cone or against that, you know what I mean? You kind of picked up the pace very fast. Like you did some shooting drills and then you went right into, you did a lot of man up, a lot of four V threes, a lot of three V twos, like, you know, small short-sided field. Um, and so they're learning how to do the skill, but learning it in a live way. That makes sense. So I don't know if you can harp on that or if I'm incorrect or you can build off of that. No, spot on, spot on. Um, Everything that I do or we've done or that I've taken, um, being at Drexel, we'll, we'll talk like right now, and it's, it, it all correlates, has a reason behind it. And I try to harp that as much as I can. Just trust and understand that everything that we do is for a reason, and you'll understand why later on. Um, and if you have questions, obviously, they can ask. So keeping everything as game like and game situation as possible allows for less thinking in game you have the stick work it's down pat because you're doing it live right it's on the move um, and there are days where you break it down and you take pieces of it um, and i'll get to that piece like for example the entire fall every practice our defense played man down in everything. Every drill that we did, they were man down to the point where like I had players, are we going to go even like, <laughs> you know, when they came into the season, identifying that one-on-ones were not their strong suit defensively last year, you know, didn't even ask like what were like, we weren't good at one-on-ones, blah, blah, blah. So like, yeah, you rep, you rep those basic skills of offense, defense, one-on-ones and things like that. But most of it's going to end up being fast paced, build up transition, um, like continuous five on four, which I took with me from Sony Brook, where you're just getting up and back middies are their gas, but it's competitive. You keep score. It just, I find it keeps the players that much more engaged. Um, and we're all creatures of habit, right? So you do something at a fast pace and you do it consistently. You're learning those patterns and you're starting to understand why we're doing what we're doing, right? So then if they start to get so structured where there's so much overthinking and they get too much of a pattern, that's when you blow the whistle, stop them, everybody freezes, and then you explain you know, where the slide's coming from and why we're looking to attack, why the ball should move this way um, and where the open player is and things like that. Little little details that you can kind of throw in. Um, and it, it's almost like a dumbed down version because in my opinion, less is more. And it's at the end of the day, it's just lacrosse. It's not brain surgery. Keep it simple, keep it simple, you know? so. Drills that are fast-paced, competitive. One, it allows them to think quickly. Not, it doesn't give them enough time to psycho overanalyze things, right? <laughs> you adjust when you need to stop and adjust. And defensively, if you're practicing all man down, 
you have to then cover more area and you're, you get used to getting beat. So if you're doing a good job against an offense that had, has, has a player up advantage, now you go to a fall ball game and guess what's our biggest strength defense. Because I had, when you remind them guys, yeah, you got scored on now they're getting pissed off because they're forgetting that they're even man down and they have to go a little faster to slide or, you know, get out a little bit quicker, break down, and they know how to get beat, how to slide. And then when you add that player and you're even, now it's like, did you guys do anything crazy during this game? Like anything like that you're like, whoa, they had it. No, you just, you were even, and we've been man down. So, and again, so we'll be working a lot more even stuff at practice, but I think it gave them an extra chip on their shoulder. It, made, it forced them to really communicate and efficiently. Um, and just kind of thinking outside the box. So it's, and it's, it's worked. It's definitely worked. Really cool. I love the word game-like and I love the words that you use during the course of your description of how you create these environments um, of competitive and in context. And I think that really is what game like means. I mean, game like is not partner passing. Um, game like is when there's a defender and the skills, while there may be certain techniques that we want, but the skills are really solutions that the players have to figure out in real time because you might have to throw it around their stick instead of straight overhand or whatever to be able to complete the pass. So the way you got, the way you're setting this up and the environment you're creating is uh, it's really impressive to hear. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's taken time. You know, this team is incredible. The first thing that I, I said to myself when I walked, we, we got to the first day of practice. The one thing I, I took from, from it, from the outside looking in was, oh my God, like I am never going to have to question work ethic here. These kids go so hard, sometimes almost to a fault, but I will never, ever have to question how hard, if, if they're working hard. And then I'm like, and then teaching them the skill, teaching them faster pace, teaching them. And I got to credit that to Jill. I, I think Jill has done a tremendous job being able to really create that environment. You know, she was also that type of player. I was also that type of player. So we have a, a lot of strong crossover there. Um, but yeah, they're just like, and they want to win in everything. It's not even just on the field. Like these kids, their grades are through the roof. So cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really great opportunity. You know, they're just a great group of girls. Sorry, let's, ladies. Just, ladies. Let, let's, uh, let's switch gears and talk a little team offense. Um, it was always so fun to watch Stony Brook play. I feel like you guys developed attackmen so well. Attacker, sorry. And, um, and just the, the way you guys, you know, had so many good ones and good off ball and great feeders and great Dodgers and team players and kind of the way you guys played behind the net so well too, the way you kind of drive up and throw back and swing it through. And I'm sure you're taking a lot of what you learned since you ran the offense there. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you're going to develop your offense at Drexel? Yes. So, and, and to your point with running it, I mean, I don't think I can take credit in full for running offense or even Greg with defense because Spelina has his systems have, have been living proof in the past to work. Um, and, and honestly they're, they're hits, you know, and was he open to my ideas? Yes. Did it happen overnight? No. 
mm-hmm. because he has the street cred. So I was very fortunate to be a part of that, to learn and to grow with him um, in, in those areas. Uh, as far as, you know, breaking down offense and strategies, I can't stress the fundamentals enough. Um, every single day we're shooting. Every single day we're doing stick work. And we are, when I go to the subject of game-like, we're making shooting drills based off of positions and specific looks that you would see in games. Um, Whether it's, like you said, dodge to throw back or, you know, playing against a zone, making sure off ball that you're working within seams and not marking yourself you know, so shifting over, uh, uh, timing of cuts, when to cut. Um, so we break that down, but we still create an environment mm-hmm. where it's, it's game-like, right? So high rep shooting drills, you know, there's like one thing that we did, um, with Stony Brook and it's something that I'll take with me as well here. And we've been doing, and it's been super successful is when we shoot, we'll have crease attacker shooting going on while, shooting from high goes on. So all types of like dodges from high alley dodges, different types of just sweep splits, things like that. While crease attackers are repping out crease rolls, question mark dodges, uh, kind of show it and pull it underneath, you know, jab step over top, early shots, um, like little things like that. And then we put the two together. So then we do shooting drills some days where, you know, there's two lines behind, there's lines up top, maybe there's two at the elbow and it's a passing pattern of open looks that you would see versus a zone in a game. And they just rep out the consistency of those looks. And then all of a sudden in games, they're like, I've done that like six times this week or like we do this all the time. And they're like, well, that's, that's why. You know, so it's almost like you're preparing them for game-like scenarios through their shooting drills live. Um, and it, nature of habit, right? Or creature of habit, like you're you're repping it out and you're doing it at a fast pace so that when you get to the game, it's part of what you do, you know? We five and five shooting off of a catch, off of a pass, finishing in tight, throw the goalie in. Kid can catch it if she's completely over on the crease and it's too late to shoot all right behind the back catch it on this side go around the world if you can you know and at first a lot of my drexel kids were like really like you want it like yeah make it part make it part of your game time and place but like it's not brain science like you know what i mean like just do it do it at practice rep it out you don't need to do it every single time you know, and then once they start to do it in games, they'll understand it wasn't a trick. It's part of what we do. It's part of who we are. You know, it's part of what we've been working on. It's part of stick work and development and skill. And coach trusts me at practice to do this. So it's no different than any other day. And then I, one, the other thing I will say is having trust in your players on a day-to-day basis that anyone can score and be involved, you know, I think you're only going to be as good as the kids you sub off the bench or, or lack thereof, right? So if you can't get 
more than one or two top scorers or feeders or finishers, and you're not consistently allowing that trust, you're only going to be as good as your one or your two, because everyone's going to look at those players. And then you're in the championship game and that player might be like, ah, like, I want a lot. I want the, I want everyone ready for that game winning goal. Right. I want people not to know where it's going to come from because I just feel like it all goes back to the core of being an actual coach and not a manager and getting in the trenches with those players top to bottom, making sure that they are all being developed, not just the starting group because the, the starting group is not what's going to win you. It's the players that prepare that group for those moments. Right. And then the players that are on the border of getting on the field, maybe they go on sometimes like playing time is earned is earned Monday through Friday. And yeah, that can change. So what are you doing today through the week? And again, I'll take it from coach Joe. We don't do, we don't do gamers. We don't do gamers become a really good practice player. Otherwise you're not going to do well here. So if you have that consistent message throughout, when they come in and talk to you about X, Y, Z, Nothing that you're saying is different from what you've been consistently putting in, if that makes sense. Totally. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I and I that was my kind of my next question. You kind of answered it within your explanation about Sony Rook always had a calm, like a confident way about their attack. Like they were confident to make the behind the back pass, confident to make the, I guess, tricky play that other programs might think it's tricky, but it's the correct way to make the pass as Jamie was explaining earlier that, you know, you're in a game like situation, you might need to throw it behind the back. You need to throw it underhand. You need to throw it, you know, step back and across your body. So how do you, and what have you taken from Stony Brook now create that confidence, I guess, or create that game like scenario that they have the fearless mentality to make that play? Yeah, no, that makes, that makes total sense. That's a great question. It's just, continually creating that type of environment, right? So fast break, you know, your number's up and you rep out however form you want to take the ball down, which way you want to pass, really read how the defense is sliding in their pattern. And then you start to build, okay, now they slid early. Okay, I'm the person that just caught the ball. My defender slides up to me. She's already in my hands, right? So now maybe it's telling, hey, in this look defensively, and I'll have my defensive coach say this, you're going to slide early and already be there by the time she catches it. So she's like, ah, the moments where they're like catching, like, ah, and the D's on them already. So now my player can kind of catch. They're seeing that, right? Slide comes early. Now when they catch and the defender's already on them, I'm not going to freak out, step back and kind of chuck it. I'm going to be able to collect it and throw it behind the back because that's what's open, you know, or if she goes and then somebody slides across, maybe it's a fake this way and throw forward. So like things like that, you probably hope you can visualize what I'm trying to say. Um, Creating those situations as best as possible, I think is the smartest way to go about it because that's how they learn right? A lot of people do all these shooting stick work drills and it's like crazy stuff, hurdles. I love it. I love all the footwork and stuff. Like 
how to dodge first step. Like we're very, very basic and, and detailed in our message. And then you just make it harder for them. You know, one day we were struggling at practice with our starters, seven on seven. We couldn't score. We couldn't score. We couldn't score the ball. We could now anybody would have been like, blow the whistle, freak out. What are we doing guys? Like, what are we doing? I remember, and my players would attest to this and so would my staff because they thought I was crazy. I, I remember calling in saying, okay, deep breath. We're going to go back out. We're going to do the same exact thing. And then I go defense at a defender. So now there's seven on eight man to man. Okay. So defense has one more player and they zipping the ball around, keeping it basic. We'd scored like four goals back to back to back. And I literally, I blew the whistle and I'm like, I think we're good here. Let's go to the next drill. And they were like, what? Like, I go, exactly. So stop thinking and overanalyzing lacrosse. Like it's brain surgery. Just play. Like, you know, you're good. Just play. You know, the game, you know, like I just added a defender. You couldn't score at all. Seven on seven. Just play the game. That's great. And then I was talking smack to the defense but <laughs> in a fun way. So things like that, where if they know you really believe in them and that you remind them that your message is coming from a passionate place that really cares about them, they'll do anything for you. That's what I've learned through the years. So cool. How about defense? Are you guys going to be, uh, did you take, you take in the backer zone from magical question. (laughs) Are you going to run Spelina's backer? Um, You have to be. Yes. I mean, how we, we're going to have different, different looks on things ready to go. Um, And what I've learned in the past, you know, playing against the other top teams in the country, BC, you know, Syracuse, UNC, like, I think you need to be really good at what your defensive strengths are as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of what we did as coaches with the staff this year was identifying our strengths and weaknesses with our personnel. Right. And then what are we doing with that? What, what do we feel we can create? So yes, we showed a zone um, and we became really good at man to man defense. We became really good because we made it an area of focus. I mean, I look at when one of my players says, you know, we weren't good at one-on-ones last year. I, I won't comment after that. I would just kind of take it in, but in my head being competitive, I'm like challenge accepted. (laughs) They're going to be good at one-on-ones and defensively. I think our man-to-man defense was the strength of our entire squad, this entire fall. And I know like their, their zone worked last year. Right. So um, they also, they lost players to graduation and that didn't return or what, what have you. Um, and they were very good at it. So it was trying to figure out who were the next two up and what that looked like from our perspective. Right. Like you'll see people in the lineup this year and getting time that didn't get any love last year. And that's on them hundred percent. That's on them. Um, but you know, when there's change, you have to change things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 
that part's exciting. Um, I think we'll have a bunch of different looks. I will tell you our strength in the, in the fall was our breaking down man to man, understanding that we did show some zone as well. Um, but I, we're still, we're still learning as coaches, right? Like I'm used to what I'm used to back at Stony Brook. So every day, like the first thing I said when I got in and took the, took the position was, okay, I have so much to do, like so much, like full steam ahead. My number one concern was getting to know each and every one of these kids inside and out as fast as I can. And every day I learned something new and how to coach each kid individually who's working their butts off. Um, I'm going to be going deep in the bench, subbing wise. I just think that's what's going to make or break at the end. I think you can only go as far as I said it before. You have to have depth and, and you can't just throw in subs at the end of the tunnel that don't consistently see looks at practice in, with those people. Mm -hmm. So that that's me to my like question. One, are you, is it like a high pressure man to man? Like, are you going out there? Or are you kind of figuring that out right now? And then getting to your depth, are you running a bunch of lines? Like, are you doing free midi lines, A midis, C midis? What's your kind of philosophy in the midfield? So as far as the pressure, it's going to vary. Mm -hmm. It's going to vary. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Stubbornness. First, first games. Yeah. Not that far away. But basics, you know, breaking your feet down, mm -hmm. um, crashing, sliding, communicating, um, and identifying what players are good, what areas of the field. Um, and we practice our one-on-ones defensively from everywhere. So like, if you're somebody that is better defending a one-on-one -on -one up top, well, you, you better learn to get really good on the crease, mm -hmm. you know, because if we end up playing matchup defenders and you get switched off with somebody on a pick or something, like, you got to know how to defend and how to help and how to be there and slide. Um, from, from every spot, just as much as I tell the offense, like, you know, if you were scouting yourself or you made a scouting report on yourself from last year, what would be the first two or three things they say you, you attack from and where, you know, all right, well, top Dodger. Okay. Well, you're going to learn how to catch and score the ball too. And you're going to be multidimensional and versatile, and you're going to do things in places that you I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable at practice in different spots. So that when you get into a game, you don't look like you're in the middle of nowhere and you can score an attack from anywhere. So like situations like that, I think are huge. And then it's a buildup, 2v2s, 3v3s, 4v4s, sliding, how to slide. Um, and then, you know, zone wise, it's just sticking to the basics. Know your area, know our basic rules, how we're preaching them. Um, just how far out you're going to go if we're going to pressure, you know, um, you're recovering, like everything, every, everything has a reason. Um, harping on basic skills at eight meters, clearing quickly, you know, off of a save, creating those situations, you know, where there's an eight meter set up, shot, whether you keep score offense, defense, quick clear out, you got to defend make it a competition game, things like that. Those are things that are going to prepare you for what's to come, you know, defensively showing offenses if we're playing in a zone with different looks. 
And again, nothing, there's nothing someone's going to do that nobody's ever seen. So I think it's being able to adapt and adjust, think outside the box, and then be able to create those environments. So our staff works very closely together in, all right, this is going to be the goal. It's going to be an offense day, defense day. Okay, we're going to take this group here. The starters will be with you. We'll cycle in these middies. Um, and we're going to work on how to defend this look and this look, right? And the kid, they're not going to know about it. And sometimes there's so much value to like, when you want to coach and nitpick at every tiny thing, just standing back and letting them work through it, you know, yeah. or stepping back sometimes and saying, all right, huddle your groups up and just listening to what the leaders are saying back there. How are they adjusting? What are their, are their thoughts? And, and if you're consistent enough as a coach, you'll find that they're actually echoing all the things that you're putting in. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, oh, yeah, they end up having the confidence to make the call themselves because of your system and your coaching. Right. And I really think that the word game-like in many ways has a lot to do with that in a real game, you just don't have control. So by letting your players work through it, by letting them figure it out, that's ultimate. And, and by making it competitive, that's ultimately maybe the most game-like that you can make it. Because if you're the one stopping it and fixing it, it looks great when they do it right, except for it might be fool's gold. A hundred percent, 100%. And I think those fast paced drills and the game, like up and back where they're exhausted and you're playing for score, it al allows the coaching staff to really take a step back and evaluate and see when times get tough, who shrinks and who's like, give me the ball. This is what we need. Who's the one that says, guys, come, we got this get it around, you know? And then that's how you know your personnel throughout games. Now, again, I haven't done anything. You know, people are like, oh, you're so successful. I haven't done anything. I've been here for five minutes. The one thing I can control is how hard I work. And that's what I pride myself on. Um, and making sure, sure that these, this group of young ladies are more than prepared for every single day. Um, so I have a lot to prove. And you know what? I don't, I don't shy from that either, you know, because who, who am I? Everybody probably wants to know. Who are you without being under a job? Like, what does that look like? Um, so I'm excited. I really am so excited uh, to get going with this group. They are in, just incredible, just incredible kids. So that's awesome. Who's your guys' first game against? So we open up at home on February 12th versus Wagner. Okay. And then the following week we play home against Penn state. So we have a really, we get, we got a strong schedule this year. And a lot of that was on purpose because we gotta, we gotta prep. We gotta get these, these kids ready. Sorry. These young ladies ready for that level. Yeah. You know, and, and right now I think it's spending time letting them know, like get used to being the hunted now, right? You guys have earned your way here. I just got here. I haven't done anything yet. It's all about them. Every interview, everything. It's all about the kids. That U.S. Lacrosse magazine came out with four pages, and I was pissed that there was a full page picture of me because I want it to be nothing about me and all about how special this team is and what they have done to get us here. What the seniors that didn't return from last year, it's this is theirs. This is what I'm thankful for them, right? What Jill did, if she didn't do what she did, I wouldn't be here. You know, so 
constantly reminding them to have that gratitude, I think is, is super important as well. So, but I'm super pumped. This group is, they're special. That's Love awesome. it. Yeah. What, um, I know Colin had asked you a two-part question and I wanted to follow up on the second part, which is, are you playing D middies or two-way players mostly? And how do you sort of think about that in terms of the full field game and your depth? For that matter? I think it's going to vary depending on what we need, right? Depending on if someone's banged up or situationally, I think knowing your personnel is going to be huge. Um, the sub box is going to be a very, very important part of, our game and what we do, having the right personnel on the field, whether you're man up, man down, um, what those scenarios look like. Um, mid, in the midfields, I think we have the most depth. And like, this is how I see it. If we have a midi that is right below that starting unit of midis, and they're having a great practice the whole week and they're just getting it done. And they're just like, I can't stop thinking about how well they're playing. I am going to do whatever I can to keep them on the field. And if that means, you know, I know that she works better with these two players on offense and I need to hold her on attack. I'll do it. You know, if I need to go for a D for an attacker, I'll do it. So to your point, I think it's, kind of still up in the air but you will see a bunch of subbing specifically within the midfield um and week to week it really just depends on the positional players it, how well they're playing um and, and we kind of go from there cool That's awesome. um, let's go last topic um recruiting what is it how do you um how do you evaluate recruits um what are the sort of the the big picture things that you're looking for. And then specifically, how do you uh, evaluate players as far as not just by position, but almost like positions within positions, whether that be a Dodger, an off ball player, a lefty, uh, an off ball defender, a cover player, a draw, a draw taker uh, or all of the above. I think it's, you know, just being able to identify like what your needs are, right? Who do you have? Who's leaving? Who's staying? Um, evaluating your team and, 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 you know, if you need another absolute goal scorer and, you know, they need to be more of a Dodger, we kind of identify from there and we look and we go. Um, I also like to leave a couple spots open per year because I feel like, well, one, the transfer portal's nuts. And two, um, I think it's being very particular in the player that you, the players that you're watching, you know, I can teach the skill. A, a good coach can teach the skill work to a wall, right? Um, the work ethic piece to me is the, probably the most important part and evalu evaluating them more so even beyond just how they, how they play, maybe it's how they carry themselves, how they, you know, the players that celebrate when their teammates score or lack thereof, um, what they look like when they come off the field, um, doing my research on those players, but the gritty, obviously I was a blue collar gritty kid. Like I will always look for those kids, but you will also need those goal scoring kids, uh, you know, position specific 
really good one-on-one lock potential lockdown defender. Um, you know, whether it's low defenders that can play around the crease. Um, it really just depends on what we're looking for throughout. Do we need a goalie that year, you know, um, and, and kind of looking into that, but it also has to be a kid that is the Drexel type of kid, right? So they're good people. They work their butts off. Nothing's handed to them when times get tough, how they step up, how they lead. And maybe that's not always necessarily vocally, um, and just watching them consistently, you know, you can see the best kids like the rest of the world one or two times and say, oh yeah, they're on everybody's list. But like, I want to see them in every type of scenario. I want to see them when the double comes really early and, or they get cheap shotted, which is obviously not allowed, how they re- react to that. Does it throw them off of their game completely or do they get up, shake it off and say, all right, well, we're competing, you know? Um, so like those little things, skill work, I'll fix. Now, I'm not going to recruit somebody that has no skill work. I still want to go for the best kids, but not all the best kids in the country or even that second wave of best kids have a great college career ahead of them. So I think it's really important to do your research with the recruits, and what you're looking for. Um, I love lefties. I don't mind playing two at a time. I just think. I don't know. I love the the crafty lefty attacker, uh, maybe putting another one up on that elbow on that side. Um, I just feel like there's so much that you can, you can do and create. So I'm really excited about it as you can see, but recruiting wise, you know, it's, I credit again, the previous staff and what this program has done. Um, people want to know, Hey, I'm interested in Drexel. Like I want to know about Drexel and th- it is my job to make sure that, we sustain the success and we do things that we've not done yet, you know, winning the conference and which should be in all the, every year, non-negotiable and, you know, getting into that tournament and making a lot of noise. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. (laughs) I was right. You're in my backyard. So I'll be there a lot. And you know, you got my girl bell there. So I got to go support her. Talk about a lockdown defender right there. (laughs) She was at Camp Colleen all winter working her butt off. Um, but last little question, just like any advice for, I guess, the younger listeners here, parents, um, as they prepare for their big summer. So I guess the 24s per se, you know, just some advice for them. I know people get all stressed out and go crazy. And, um, my job as a club director, help them take a deep breath and it'll all work out. But any advice from you would be helpful. Right. So, I mean, The one thing that I will say is control what you can, right? Continue to get better, veer away from doing this, you know, or like this a ton. Looking at her going left and right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or like looking like who she committed here, she committed here. Uh, Someone's telling me this and my parents and like – take a step back, take a deep breath, like being in the position they're in at all, no matter what they choose is like, they should feel super blessed, right. To have the ability to be on a club program or, you know, 
you're, the kids that are being heavily recruited and they're very, very good and they're getting the looks and the attention. Um, those are the best problems to have, you know, so take a step back and say, these are good problems. So like my stress right now, like, Oh, I'm wanted. Wow. I never, I don't want to feel wanted. Like nobody would ever say that. Right. And for the players that they just don't know, that's okay too. Right. I don't know. I'm young. I don't know what that, I have no idea. She knows where she wants to go. I have no idea what I want, where I want to be. Just research, research, do it on your own. Um, you know, get on the internet, research, talk, identify your strengths, what you, maybe what you want to study or areas you might want to be in. And I like the kids that keep an open mind and take their time to really learn, right? Be a student of it. And at the end of the day, it's just like anything when you know, you know, and just make sure that each of them know everyone has their own process and they're not going to look identical, right? I've seen kids, you know, or PSAs commit the second September one hits. I've seen them commit two days after. I've seen them commit a whole year later, you know, and I have seen those kids that commit on the spot, hop right into the transfer portal, right? And then I've seen kids commit on the spot, just in general, that loved it there. They, they tore it up. So it, if you spend more time worrying about what if, what, what if, just control what you can control. You're going to work your butt off, keep your grades up, be a good person. Don't be dumb with social media, posting, hanging out with the wrong people, pictures, clothing, like all that stuff is stuff that could hurt you. You know, understand you wear your jersey all the time and that has meaning to it. And everybody's time is going to come and it doesn't need to all look the same. So I think that's the biggest thing to know. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just lacrosse. Lacrosse is not forever. It's your college career setting you up for success, and they're in the best prop seat pop prop um, possible. I can't speak. Sorry, they're <laughs> in the best seat possible. That's great, great advice. And we're pumped to watch Drexel this year and see what you guys can do. Thank you. I'm I'm super excited for this team. Awesome. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming on, Colleen. Always great to see you. Uh, go Drexel. Yeah. Can't wait to watch you guys play. Um, and um, I'm going to be in Philly a little bit this year. So I'm going to try to come down and uh, watch you guys play. Yeah. Jamie, let's yeah. go to a practice. We got come to do a practice yeah, guys. Thank you there. so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, yeah. These, this team is just special and I couldn't be more excited for this team. They deserve the world. And I hope that's it, exactly what they get and, and more. So, and my staff, I got to credit my staff. They are, Unreal, Katie O'Donnell, Coach Alyssa Guido. I couldn't. I, I, they make me look good too. So super excited for the family in general, and can't wait to see you guys. Perfect. Awesome. Go Dragons.